Hello, I'm Sinead. And I'm Brian. Each week we introduce each other to a film that we love. If the other's not equally enamoured, it could mean the end of our 22-year relationship. Warning, there will be spoilers, swearing and undoubtedly arguments. This is Reasons to Dump You. Hello. Greetings, podcast listeners. Hello, everyone in podcast land. And hello, Brian. Hello, Sinead. 32 degrees and rising. Oh, yes. What a doozy of a day. The studio slash front room is <laughs> boiling hot and we've had to close all the windows so you can't hear the traffic. That is, that's the pain we go through for our uh, art. I know, I know. So I hope you guys appreciate it. So let's crack on. Yes. Let's do it. Brian's choice this week. It is my choice this week. And I had a little bit of a last minute change of heart. Okay. Yeah, I was going for a different film, but then suddenly this one went, oh. We have to do this film. Well, that worries me that, you know. Why? Well, I don't know. I don't trust your last minute changes of heart, your spontaneity, shall we say? <laughs> Sinead is not one for spontaneity. Gives me great cause for concern. Rules, exactly. rules control the front, Brian, you know that. So, here are the clues. Go for it. There are three, as always. Numero un. <laughs> I love trickery. French up. again. <laughs> Released in 1955... With a budget of £600,000, it was based on a 1953 novel of the same name by Davis Grubb. Davis Grubb? Correct. Absolutely no idea. Well, I knew it. You just don't have the knowledge I have. Selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry in 1992... This film is now considered one of the greatest films of all time. And for some reason, I want to go... I'm still not sure what it is, but I feel like we could be in Hitchcock territory here. Incorrect. Oh! Now, this should give it away. I like to give you a nice, easy... Oh, oh do you entry. like to make it nice and yeah. easy for me, yeah? Um... For its director, Charles Loughton, this is the only feature film he has ever been credited as directing, despite acting in over 60 films and TV series. That's a lot of films and TV series. It is. I think I know what this is. Of course you do. I told you, easy one at the end. Is it Night of the Hunter? It is Night of the Hunter. Yes, I love it when I get things right. I know you do. Nothing gives me more joy. This week has started well, people. Yeah, I know. But this is what I thought, right? I was sitting there, I had another film, and I just thought, no, this Robert Mitchum classic, we've just got to do it. We've got to do it. So we're going to go and deep dive into Night of the Hunter. We are. I'm up for it. Bringing in the sheep. Bringing a little bit of classic to, uh, to the podcast this week. We are. So we will see you in 3.1678 seconds to discuss the film at length. And check the temperature again. Obviously. Enjoy. Bye. Welcome back to Streatham on the hottest day of the year for part two of Reasons to Dump You. I don't think there's going to be many reasons to dump me. I think you're going to be delighted with what I've got to say about this film. I bloody well hope not, Sinead, because it's very, very warm, which is making me a little ratty anyway. So if you didn't love what I love, 
you are sleeping in the car and the car is not a nice place to be. Well, we established that last week and it's even hotter this week, so that is definitely not a place I want to be. Exactly. I will end up telling you the story of right hand and left hand. Ooh. If you've not seen the film, go watch the film. That will make more sense. Yeah, and then you'll want to get a tattoo for sure. And actually, this podcast will make a lot more sense. True. If you go and watch the film. True. So, hoping that you have watched the film. Yeah. Or at least want to hear us talking about it. Shall I do a little cheeky synopsis? I'd love a little synopsis. What have we just watched, Mr. Franklin? So, we've just watched Night of the Hunter. Beautiful. And the synopsis. Correct. And the um, Rotten Tomato synopsis goes a little like this. The Reverend Harry Powell is a religious fanatic and serial killer who targets women who use their sexuality to attract men. Serving time in prison for car theft, he meets condemned murderer Ben Harper, who confesses to hiding $10,000 in stolen loot. Released from jail, Powell is obsessed with finding the money and he tracks down Harper's widow Willa and her two children, John and Pearl. That's it. Is that it? Mm. Oh, I thought there was going to be more of a climax to that. No, apparently not. Okay, well I think that's only half a synopsis. Well, look, before you get all punchy about the synopsis, (laughs) I could go back to IMDb's, which is shorter and sweeter, but doesn't say much more. IMDb's synopsis. A religious fanatic marries a gullible widow whose young children are reluctant to tell him where their real daddy hid the $10,000 he'd stolen in a robbery. Okay, I think that's a bit more a bit more on the nose for me, that one. I had, a, I had two issues, two main issues with the, uh, the Rotten Tomatoes one. Okay. Uh, number one, he uh, targets women that use their sexuality to lure men. That sounds a bit like some victim uh, blaming going on there. Not keen on that. Don't blame me. Blame the large gentleman with the ginger hair that runs Rotten Tomatoes. No, you're thinking of Harry Knowles and that was a different website. Well, what website was that? It ain't cool news. Well, let's blame him anyway. (laughs) No, I don't know. I don't know. I have no problem with it. People that um, have got nothing to do with Rotten Tomatoes as far as I'm aware. Uh, Second problem with that synopsis. Yeah. um, does, Does he confess? Does Ben Harper confess? To Harry Powell that he's hidden the money? Yes. Oh, I don't remember that. I thought we just... Okay. Yeah, because the whole point when he's saying, like, where did you bury it? Where did you bury it? He admits it is buried, but he doesn't admit where. Oh, okay. Not sure he confesses it to him. I think it's just common knowledge that he stole it and it's buried, so... I'd like to move on from the Rotten Tomatoes synopsis (laughs) because I figure that we're both a bit warm, a little ratty. And this could descend into something for 40 minutes that no one wants to hear. Okay, let me give you the tagline to the film. Please do. It's a cracker. Oh, okay. The scenes, the story, the stars, but above all, the suspense. Dun, 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 da, 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 da. I love old movies. They've got such uh, dramatic taglines that tell you nothing. Absolutely <laughs> nothing. But apart from the fact that you'll get uh, Robert Mitchum yeah. and Shelley Winters in this film. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you need to know. have to say, both of them smashed it. Stunning. Yeah, fantastic Absolutely amazing. So let's start there. Okay. Robert Mitchum. Yes. Oh my God, he was amazing in this film. You enjoyed his performance. My God, he's a psychopath. He's creepy as fuck. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah, I agree with you. He was creepy. Absolutely loved it. The The way that he 
delivered his lines, the way that he really did seem to be religiously, what's the word I'm looking for, kind of not, well he is fanatical, but like in a way that was really unhealthy. You know, he's telling God, I know you agree with the killings, but... Well, yeah, to his own ends, wasn't he? Like a religious zealot. Oh, yeah. Kind of to his own ends. He says that near the beginning, um, he says, the Almighty and I fix... What religion do you preach? Yeah. And he says, oh, the religion, the Almighty and I fixed up betwixt us. Yeah. So, So no religion, he's just decided... Yeah. He can speak directly to God, and that's, that's a good enough religion for him. Yeah, and in the car, when he's talking to God directly at the beginning, he knows God's quite cool with him killing people. Yeah. Because God can't stand a slut. I mean, yeah. this yeah. is the ultimate misogynist, this guy. Well, that's the real fear in this film. So I've got two things I was going to talk to you about. Oh, okay. I enjoyed on. this film. Well, good. A lot. I mean, good. it's it is, a, it is a classic. It is a true classic. Although not well received when it was first... Released, I yeah, don't but think. Think about 1955 and think about this film. Yeah, exactly. Well, Pretty I can, dark. I can tell you uh, that the New, New York Times um, reviewer said it was a weird and intriguing endeavour. Right. But more Not too bad, I'd take uh, that. Yeah. More interestingly, the Legion of Decency, right. which apparently is was, is a thing, um, gave it a B and said it degraded marriage. Well, they would. <laughs> And the Protestant Motion Picture Council called it objectionable. Of course they did, because it shows that basically religion is completely corrupted from top to bottom. There are still good religious people or God-fearing people out there like Mrs. Cooper. You know, it's not that the sort of ethos is a bad thing, but Mm. people have skewed it, twisted it, become corrupted by it, confused by it. The whole point that society was completely confused. I mean, look at the old Biddy, who basically was always trying to do the God-fearing thing, interfering with everybody's life. Oh, the woman that ran the... Um, the Spoons. Spoons. Loved that, The ice the cream parlour. Yeah, but I love the fact that she ran the Spoons. <laughs> oh, going, you're thinking weather Spoons. Yeah, I'm going to the Spoons. All right, cool. Popping down to the Spoons. Um, so... She was constantly interfering. She mm. was interfering in how they lived. She was interfering on the fact that um, Shelley Winter's character, Willa, should get married. Mm. She interfered in where the, what the kids did. She interfered in everything. And every time she interfered, things got worse. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Her um, interjection did yeah. nothing to help this woman whatsoever. In fact, I would say very much helped her along to her death. Well, yeah, actually almost set it all up. Yeah. I mean, it's quite an... In- intelligent use of a character to yeah. set everything up because everything including calling the kids out of the uh, cellar everything she did even at the end she was leading the charge for the lynching the lynch mob at the end when he gets caught she was the first one to be screaming lynch mm. him let's mm. have a lynching and it's like oh my god it was insanely good so insanely good so what i wanted to what i wanted to talk about first of all was the fact that essentially in any other guise this is a horror film yes and it's got so many traditional sort of horror tropes and it kind of pulls from all those classic, classic movies. A lot of it, and I'm I'm not going, you know, all uppity here, but yeah. it reminded me a lot of those German expressionist films. 100%, yes. And you've got like, yeah, you know, lot, Dr. Caligari when he's coming up the stairs, mm-hmm. um, all the the light and the shadow 
and the dark and yeah. the angles and the otherworldly nature of a lot of the sets. 100%. The way the buildings were tilted was was quite off. It didn't really look natural. Um, when he follows the kids, so so further into the film, when the kids escape from him, because yeah. he, he's obviously married their mother in order to get the money their father's buried and only they know where it is. Yeah. Um, he follows them down to the water's edge to try and catch them. Yeah. Um, and they manage to get away in, in their father's old boat. And it reminded me of that, even if you've not seen the whole thing, you've probably seen the um, scene of Frankenstein where he goes down to the river right, and right, um, yeah. picks up the child. It reminded me of that. The lynch mob that you've talked about at the end yeah. was very much, you know, the lynch mob of the villagers with the burning torches that go to storm Dracula's castle. Um, I think at one point, um, John, the child, yeah. refers to him as, um, he says, doesn't he ever sleep? Yeah. So when he sees oh him God, on the doesn't horizon, he doesn't he ever yeah. sleep? And again, that's almost kind of like monster-like and vampiric-like and kind of otherworldly and, oh, yeah. and horror, isn't it? And with the exception, I think, of Mrs. Cooper, mm. every character that he was introduced to, mm. he was introduced to at night. It was like his power was at night. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when he met the young girl, it was at night. Mm. Um, when he first meets the people coming in, uh, the boy, when he comes into town, mm. it was at night, mm. you know, the, ref- the the shadow on the wall hanging out under that creepy street lamp that was totally unnecessary outside that house, which I would have chopped down straight away. I mean, you don't chop street lights down, Brian, but if you want to. Oh, I will. You can chop the one down that shines into our window if you've had yeah, it. Why you've yeah. not done this already, yeah. I do not know. If anyone from uh, Lambeth Council is <laughs> listening, thank so you. the street lights. Um, Five years. So, yeah, I thought I thought he was phenomenal. Sorry, you were just talking about the scenes and the shots and yeah. stuff. And, you know, this film has obviously been lauded a lot since for its noir style, its expressionism and everything. But one thing really blew me away was the Shelley Winters dead under the water. Completely agree with Don't you. Don't know how they shot it. Don't. No, because she was totally still, unless it was synthetic, which I doubt it, because of the era. Well, would you like a little fact about that, Brian? Well, I would, because that was insane. Yeah, so um, the scene, so he kills Shelley Winters, yep. slits her throat. Sorry, one second. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Late spoiler alert. Um, he slits her throat yep. and then dumps her in the lake with the car yes. when she's tied up. And we get a shot of that. So that was... Um, actually a mannequin and a custom mask so yes that wow. wasn't Shelley Winters that was wow. how realistic did that look it looked, for the, I the thought, mid-50s I thought at first I thought are they doing some weird thing with her hair she's holding her breath I, it looked exactly like her mm, and no. the shot from above where he's fishing and he catches onto the car and then he looks through the water mm. old Uncle Birdie Uncle Birdie it was insane yeah it was so good. It was, I mean, it was incredibly realistic, wasn't it? And the way her hair was kind of floating back, and the seaweed was floating into shot, and yeah. his fishing line came down. Yeah, I genuinely thought it was her, and yeah, I thought, me well, too. They, they, yeah, she's just holding her breath, and they. But, they yeah, but then I thought the, the shot's too long. Yeah. she can't hold her breath for that long. Yeah. She'd be dead. Yeah, no, it was. Um, yeah, it was a mannequin. And that a was insane. That was so insane. So kudos to the. Uh, but yeah, you were talking about um, the expressionism stuff and that, and. The shots. I mean, if you want to learn set construction, shot construction and lighting construction, watch this film. I mean, 
this film's insane. The 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 sets, yeah. as you said, were stunning, mm. beautiful. The lighting, which just complimented everything continually, the darkness every time he was compared to everything else, yeah. was sort of dark and light. Um, the the fact, sorry, that the sort of the sets were a bit weird, like you were staring at a stage and half the screen was like black. Yeah. And the scene was within it. And then the scene over when he rides up to the country house and he's in the distance. I mean, just the sets and the scenes and considering it's all soundstage type stuff. Mental. And considering it was Charles Lawton first and only directorial I know, right? Piece. I know. Um, Such a shame he didn't do more. Yeah, well, I think because it wasn't received very well. Um, I think that probably, you know, mm. curtailed him quite quickly. And apparently I was reading, so when I was researching it, apparently I was reading that he actually wasn't very confident. Yeah. Um, and on set when people, you know, made suggestions or, or said, you know, perhaps we should do it like this, he would very much take that on board and then think, oh, well, his whole vision is is kind of incorrect. Right. But the one thing that he that I read that he wanted to do, which is quite clear in this film and from what you and I have just been talking about, is he wanted to emulate those silent films, those great silent films yeah. that had that had come before. Um and the idea of this set design in this stark, oddly shaped way, it's because or at least one explanation of it, um, is because children often only focus on one thing. Right. So the vision of a child seeing the world will, will be to kind of, you know, focus on one element of what's in front of them rather than the whole picture. Yeah. So I thought that was quite interesting. I did. No, same here, same here. Mind you, in saying that, there was one bit for me that lost its way a little bit. When the kids were floating down the river, Yeah. there was a lot of shots of nature. There was. Like frogs and rabbits mm. and foxes and stuff. And it was like, gone a bit Narnia, gone a bit... Yeah, I think it was overkill. I think if you'd had one or two, it would have yeah, been yeah. all right. But yeah, we had some rabbits, we had a frog, then we had a cobweb. Yeah. Then we had, yeah, I, I did think, yeah, I did think, hey, it's not a perfect film. No, it's not. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of that kind of over-the-top, almost sort of like babes in the wood type yeah. um, sort of imagery. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of that, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Not a reason to dump me, though, because you agree with me, so that's good. I do. I do. No, I I genuinely, I mean, this film for me is just insane. Even the sound, even the sound mm. in the film, the overlaps of, of him, like when the kids are running from the house, they've locked him in the thing and you can hear him shouting for the kids and bashing against the door, but you can't see that. You just see him running. When he's singing hymns over the top mm. of like horrible scenes and it's just the juxtaposition of that song over something that's, Quite vile and yeah. stark. It was, it was well. There's nothing amazing. creepier than than like a hymn. There no. is nothing creepier than a hymn. Possibly children singing a hymn would 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 top that. Yeah, children singing a rhyme sometimes can be really can be really creepy. creepy. Yeah, yeah, like a child childhood kind of rhyme. I think this film for me kind of uh, what's what word am I looking for? Combines a kind of an art film with a commercial yeah appeal to it. Yeah. Because um, the story is actually, you know, very commercially appealing, isn't it? The idea that this... Totally, yeah. I mean, you know, religious maniac is is, is killing widowers for their money. And actually, um, the novel and the film was based around a true story. Wow. Um, so back in 1932, a man called Harry Powers was hung for murdering two widows and three children. 
Bloody hell. And I think he'd lured them um, by putting out Lonely Hearts adverts. Nice. So that gives it another yeah. edge of kind of sinister um, concern. But the real fear in this film for me is his manipulation, his belittling, his control, his use of shaming Shelley Winters into feeling like she's driven her husband to commit the, the robbery oh that he God. committed in that the first place. That was a great place. scene where she was standing in front of the flaming torches and he was just standing there nodding and she was like, it's my fault because I was asking him for shoes and... And perfume. Perfume. And that's why he went and robbed things. I drove him to the devil and... Yeah, I thought that was wow. an absolutely brilliant scene. So they've they've gone and got married. He's, he's wheedled his way in there. They've gone and got married. Yeah. Um, and on their wedding night, he um, has refused to have sex with her. Which I thought was genius. Yeah. Like, refusing the power, the power. to have sex with her, saying you should be focusing on looking after the kids you have rather than the, having any more. Instantly, I thought, yeah, that would make any woman feel horrible and mm. dirty. Mm. And she's like, I need to get clean, you know, because she's the one who's thinking about, well, hey, let's do it. Yeah. And actually, he's like, <laughs> is that what she, well, hey, let's do it. That's yeah. the uh, level I think of she uh, romantic. Whispered, whispered that in front of the mirror. I think I saw her just go, well, hey, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. But this is it. This is the manipulation and the control. Yeah. So he basically rejects, rejects her. Um, yeah. Because you know he says, "Well, do you want to have more kids? No. Well, then, then that's what sex is for. We're not, we're not going to be doing any of that nonsense." Um, and yeah, she says, "Help me to get clean, so I can be what Harry wants me to be." I have never wanted to put my foot through my te- own television screen more than when that poor woman said that. I know, and and I felt so when she's given that speech about her husband in front of those flaming torches. It's just the way he stood in the background with his arms crossed, nodding. Yeah. So yeah, that would be a totally dominant male. Yeah, that absolutely. That is exactly what they would do. Well, it feels it, it, that kind of felt to me like what we would see now portrayed as kind of a cult leader. Yeah, you know that would that would get their their people together and they would send them out preaching this word to kind of yeah bring other people into their flock. And you can certainly see why the Protestant, whatever they called, Rally of America or whatever, the Protestant Motion Picture Council. <laughs> Very important. I don't know if they still exist. (laughs) Probably. Um, You can see why they weren't happy about it with its tale of marriage. Because basically, the fact is she was told she couldn't do it on her own, right? She couldn't look after her children on her own. Yeah, she couldn't look after her children on her own. Of course not. Because she's a woman, right? Women can't do that on their own. You know how useful men are with children around the house. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's very important. You know how hands hands on her. Right? So they said that to him, to her. You know, so then they push her to marrying this guy who's a complete fucking waste of space. Mm-hmm. I mean, the last guy was a waste of space as well, stole a load of money, killed two people and didn't really have anything to do with it. Yeah, but he was he was stealing money to feed his kids, man. I mean, there was goodness in him. Yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate that. I mean, he failed miserably <laughs> and gave his son a complex for the rest of his life. But the point was, when the kids were eventually looked after and raised, it was by a single woman who never made a mention of a man, only a son. Mm. Yes, there must have been a husband at some point, but only a son. She was looking after the kids well, earning money, good life, good times together. The Shelley Winters character, Willa, Mm -hmm. was actually doing all right. Yeah, she she was And after he died, she was doing all right until the priest turned Mm -hmm. up. And everyone started going, well, you can't raise a kid on your own. Well, she seems to be doing okay. Um, It was... Yeah, it was, I thought it was really down on modern society at the time. Mm. 
in terms of like everything was corrupted by money, yeah. ultimately, including religion, mm. including relationships, mm-hmm. including parenting. Even the young girl when she went into the town to meet boys. Yeah. Uh, Ruby, Ruby, I think her name was. Yeah, she was one of um, Mrs. Cooper's Yeah, at the end. Brood. So towards the end, yeah, there's a brood of kids that live with Mrs. Cooper. And one of them is a bit older and she tends to go into town to meet boys. To meet boys. I feel she, like it's quite innocent, really. No, 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 no. Absolutely. But she always makes them buy her an ice cream yeah, first, yeah. which she said. And then as she walks into the town, the town is like this seedy, you know, the biggest word that was flashing yeah. was drugs. Yeah. And then it was like restaurant, drugs, liquor, something else. And it was just like, oh, my God. Everything in it was corrupted by cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everything. Absolutely. And... You know, even even the most innocent thing of all, because the one thing this film really does is protect kids. Mm. Or, sorry, shine the light on kids being the last bastion. Like, let the kids be kids. Yeah. You'll be okay. Even childhood is corrupted by money by the fact that he stuffs the money in her doll. Yeah. And then which they is have genius. To... But it drags the kids into this adult corrupted world that they don't want to be in. Sends the boy loony. The girl who, like is hiding the actual money, is dying to tell people and loves the the, the preacher. I mean, it, it's just so clever on mm-hmm. so many levels. Yeah, I know. You, you, your level of excitement has gone through the roof here. I'm... Well, it's because it's bloody good. I know, I it's know. bloody good I... storytelling. Hey, I enjoyed it. I didn't say I didn't. I know. <laughs> I'm just saying what I thought. It's unusual, you know, Sinead, when I when I find a little little gem, I have to let loose. I know, well, you are, you're, and you're explaining it very well. Um, do you want to know who else was up for the part of Willa, played by Shelley? Winters? Yes, please. So we could have had Agnes Moorhead, who went on to become Endora in Bewitched. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, or Grace Kelly. Wow. Would have been far too glamorous, no offence to Shelley Whoa. Winters, but... Yeah. Shelley Winters is a much more um, girl-next-door type look, whereas you Grace can, Kelly is, you know. Yeah, you can totally believe that Shelley Winters would be drawn into a man like Robert Mitchell. Mm, mm. Grace Kelly is a different level. Yeah. And you would just be like, no, that's fine, thank yeah, you. Yeah. And also, I think it would have been too much star power. Like, Robert Mitchum, as being the anti sort of the antagonist mm. needed to be the big... Yeah, the big name draw. Which I don't know if that was rare in films then. I mean, it probably was. But, I mean, he is the main character the whole way through. I suppose him and the boy. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the boy. I think the the, the son, the boy. Yeah, he's the, the money very secret good. The is, is kind of quite an important um, character I mean, as well. But I also have to say Pearl stole the show continually. She was so cute. So cute. Yeah, no, she was. She was completely adorable. Uh, that seems to be her only film credit. Wow, that actress. Okay, um, she looked a bit too much like Shirley Temple, probably. Oh yeah, I didn't think of that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit right. too much like so. Um, so when um, Robert Mitchum came in to audition for um, the part of Harry Powell, yeah, because there were other people that uh, Charles Lawton wanted. Yeah. Um, apparently, Charles Lawton described Harry the character as a diabolical slut. Wow. Um, and when he did that, uh, Mitchum just answered, "Present." <laughs> And, no. then, and he knew then, yeah, that's going to be the, uh, that's going to be who we want for this role. I Can thought that was a great little. It is, no, it's, it's insane. Can I say the first 10 minutes of this film as well, mm. introduced everything beautifully with the exception of the very, very start where the, 
the floating heads of the children yeah. wasn't a fan but no I wasn't a fan of that however I did understand it yeah it made sense within the context of the film yeah. but the, you know the film opens um, and you, you get yeah <laughs> the children's heads kind of yeah. floating yeah. in the sky it was quite um, what's the film I'm thinking of with Clarence the angel oh yeah there, there was a few moments of that wasn't there yeah. uh, it's a wonderful life it's a wonderful life mm-hmm. yeah it, yeah it was giving me vibes of that yeah. I don't think nowadays this would work. No. I mean, the music, stunning. Mm. That part, unnecessary in my book. Agreed. Could have dropped it. Yeah. Um, but even, right, the, after that, the first 10 minutes, you start with these sort of like high, sort of ethereal shots that come down into the world. So it's like godlike yeah, yeah, yeah. Like coming word, down yeah. into the world. You've got everything happens in this first 10 minutes. You get introduced to the priest. I mean... Absolutely amazing. You get introduced to this tiny town. You get introduced to the fact that, you know, he hates women, the love and hate, the fact that he's watching some burlesque show and he can't even watch that without flicking his flick knife that come rips through his jacket pocket but also looks like his penis. Yes, well, I'm I'm glad. My eyebrow is shooting straight up to the ceiling. You establish that he hates women, that he's always on the road, that he hates them, that he's killed before. Mm -hmm. But that's fine. Because God hates a slut more than he hates a murderer. Exactly, he's just doing God's work. Yeah, he's just doing God's work. Um, then you get the dad bursting in, like, Dad, Dad, and you're like, what the hell's going on here? And straight away he's like, you know, I've nicked a shit ton of money, yeah. you need to help me hide, hide it. it. don't tell anyone. Not don't tell anyone, that. swear. And the way he does it with the kids about swearing, I mean, a little boy of eight or nine, if yeah. your dad said that to you, mm-hmm. you would never tell. Yeah, no, no, I completely, the setup is completely believable. Yeah. Um, and you're right, it throws us straight in and everything happens very quickly. And you don't see where he puts the money either. No, so straight away clever. you're drawing in. Mm-hmm. So you're like, well, the kid knows what. Where is this money? It, it's... Brilliant. That was cleverly done. However, I think, so there is talk, there was a 2020 article right. um, that talked about Universal making a remake of this picture. If they do, Robert De Niro and the Robert Mitchell character. Yeah, well, that's kind of Cape Fear, isn't it, really? I don't care. Um, obviously, I, I don't know if that's still in the pipeline. Yeah. Um, but if it is, they're going to make a contemporary version. Bradley and Cooper could do it. Bradley Cooper. He could do that character. Yeah, he could. He could. I think. Okay. Well, let's give Universal a call. Tell Bradley he's the man for the job. And this is a left field one. Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler? Yeah. No, you're going to have to explain that. I think if he can prove that he can be a lunatic, I think he'd be all right. Yeah. Wrong, wrong, wrong. How on earth would Adam Sandler do that? All right, I tried. Sorry, Adam. I I know. You, that, I, don't worry. Don't you don't have to pay me, Adam. It's you, fine. You're getting a Keep cut of his revenue. I would be. What uh, a random fine choice. The Bradley Cooper one I can see. Adam Sandler. Hmm. I think so. Hmm. I think okay. he could do it. Well, I, I'm glad you've got belief in him anyway. Yeah, I do. Um, but the one thing I think, if they do make a, a kind of a contemporary version of this film, the one thing I think modern audiences will have trouble getting on board with is the speed at which Shelley Winters accepts this man into her life and marries him. No, I agree with that. It's but literally that, overnight. Yeah, but that's a 50s thing. Yeah, 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 I know, in I know. In the 50s, I'm... they meet him the day before, the next day he says, will you marry me and we're done. Yeah, yeah, I know. It just, it, that doesn't age well, does no. it? When you watch films sort of, yeah, pre-probably 65, maybe mm-hmm. even a bit later, like love affairs happen so quickly and oh, they get married you. so quickly, it's like, eh. But it comes a bit later in the film, like... Sort of the first 10 minutes I'm talking about is all the way up to where he's basically executed. Yes. You know, even when he's put in prison, the dad, then you see that 
Robert Mitchum's arrested for stealing a car, then they end up in the cell together, then he's been executed. It all happens really fast. And I actually thought that part, I thought a modern audience would soak that up. Yeah, I agree, the pacing. getting on with it. Getting on with it. That's why I think it feels like it sags in this riverboat bit, where yeah. it goes a little bit wind in the willows. Yeah. It's like, eh... <laughs> Oh, look, there's Ratty and Mole. Yeah, well, almost. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? We had Mr. Toad at one point, for Christ's sake. (laughs) And I did feel sorry for little Pearl, because every five minutes he'd go, we're going to rest here. And as soon as she closed her eyes, get up, Pearl! Bloody hell. Typical brother. Yeah, I know, right? Not that I have one, but I imagine that's what he'd do to me if I did. they would. Um, So Ben Harper, who played... Oh, sorry, and it opens. Sorry, that was the other opening thing. The kids are playing, and you get a dead woman immediately. Yes. It does not. Fuck about. I will forgive you for interrupting me there by the yeah. fact that, yes. So that was a really important part. Yeah. It was a really important part. So, like, all of these things are established. He's a murderer. We see a dead thing, a dead woman. We know that, you know, there are kids around when he does it. It was just, come on, wake up to yourself. It was great. Good Lord. I think the heat sent you into some yeah, sort of frenzy. I think it might have done somehow. What I was trying to say. Sorry. I mean, I agree with you. Sorry. There's a bead of sweat running down my back right now. <laughs> so it's kind of distracting me. And that's probably why I'm getting a little bit. Nice. Yeah. Um, did you recognise Ben Harper? So Ben is the, the dad that steals the money um, and, and then gets... Uh, sort um, of. Yeah. Looked a bit familiar. Yeah. Who was he? So I looked him up. His name's Peter Graves. That rings a bell. And he played, well, it, the name didn't ring a bell, but a more modern picture of him did. He played the airline captain in Airplane. O-M-G. I know. What a, what that, a great... That, that beats... What a great little connection. I mean, I'm still waiting for the Back to the Future connection because that should be a law, but... Yeah, do you know what? I should have, I should have thought more about well, that. Well, it was 1955. Done. <laughs> Done. I'm out. Slightly weak connection. Yeah, that's a very weak connection. Not even set in 1955. But Maybe if we go away and really, really, really think about it, we'll come yeah. up with something. Because this film, obviously, as we've said, has gone on to become an absolute cult classic and has been revered for excellent filmmaking. Yeah. So it has been referenced in an awful lot of of other films and TV programmes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you've got like Cape Fear, which you just referenced, yeah, you know, yeah. clearly the De Niro character in that is is based on um, yeah. Harry Powell. I actually thought Carrie's mum and her religious zeal, yeah, yeah. albeit Carrie's mum, you know... Oh, the dress is, it, and you the know, night dress. And yeah, yeah I, I've kind of felt like there was um, that connection there. Um, Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. Has, okay. has a character with um, love and hate, um, gold, oh, yeah. knuckle yeah, jewellery. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and of course, The Simpsons has got the Cape Fear episode and Sideshow Bob has got love and hat tattooed oh, right. okay. on his... Because oh, he hasn't got enough fingers. I think The Exorcist also, like because they have that single outdoor lamp and a lot of... Oh, yes, fog with The, the Exorcist. Pre-centers. Yeah, I think they, they've taken a lot of the sort of feel of it yeah and obviously you've got the the kid as well yeah so i yeah i just feel like this is so scattered through oh, you amazing. know the cinematic and television landscape yeah you'd be hard pushed not to find something that hasn't got some sort of yeah. reference to this in it i mean even the barn that they go into to sleep mm. could be said to be exactly like the barn from back to the future i mean you really are digging deep now aren't you oh i am digging <laughs> you are really digging got the shovel out but I've got quite an important question for you. Go ahead. 
What happened to Uncle Birdie? Yeah, bless him. I am him. worried about that man. Well, he was clearly an alcoholic. Yes. You know, when he went to sweeten his coffee in the morning. We've yeah. all done that. Also, who offers... So Uncle Birdie is obviously, I don't think, a real uncle. I think he's one of these, go visit your Uncle Birdie down the road. Totally, yeah. Yeah, he's a family friend. Yeah, totally. He's an old weirdo that parents have... A weirdo? He's not a weirdo. Well, no, he's but, just like well, a local... he's an old drunk weirdo. <laughs> That when I was a kid and going back from when I was a kid, so from like nice eighty-two back, your parents were more than happy for you to help hang out with all day. Basically, parents were lazy mm-hmm. from the early eighties back. So any adult that would hang out with you, I'm not too concerned what he does with you as long as you're out of my hair. Don't besmirch my parents with your lazy parents. Thank you very much. Well, I'm sorry. I can only talk of my <laughs> parents. No, I'm not. Um, no, but like Love you know, it's what they. That's what they used to do. Yeah, you've got these, you know, uncle and aunts. People are a lot more innocent Mm. and trusting and like, okay, go play with your uncle George. And you'd be like, who? Didn't know he was my uncle. That's cool. And then you find out 10 years later, he worked with your dad for three weeks (laughs) somewhere. And they've no idea anything about him at all. (laughs) Yeah, they pint with him once. Yeah. Six years ago. Um, Yeah, so Uncle Birdie's like this this local uh, drinker um, who John goes and hangs out with. Yeah. Yeah. what happens to him though? So he discovers the uh, body, yeah. Willa's body. Yeah. He sees it, but he doesn't go and report it to the police because no. he fears He's that he will be held responsible. Yeah, they'll say he did. Um, and I don't know why, but well, because I think that's just the general fear of a, of, a, of an old man who lives alone, who might be perceived as the oddball in the community. You know, who's drinking a lot and who hangs just, out with her son. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it doesn't look good. For, doesn't yeah. look good for Birdie. But poor old Birdie, what happened to him? We didn't see him again after that. Well, because he collapsed on the floor. Exactly. Drunk. Exactly. Is did he die? Is he alive? Is he okay? I Do think, I need to go check on him? I think there were there were sort of reflections in this though. The older generation were more innocent and and and. and now I say that that's wrong. I think he was just kind of despondent with the world. I think a lot of the older people in this were. Mrs. Cooper might be the exception. You know, she had her place, though. She found her place, which she said. she had a purpose. But the old girl who ran the spoons, she was despondent with everything. Mr. Birdie was despondent with loss and grief and couldn't face anything. Mm. You know, and then the middle generation were all corrupt or convinced that they were corrupt mm. by the older generation, everybody else interfering. And then the young generation were the only hope, but they were slowly getting drawn in mm. to this, like, horrible world. Because I, I, I thought, actually, this was this director was not happy with the state of the world. He's not a happy chappy. Just a, a sinful place. But he was born decay. in, like, 1899 or something. So by, like, 1950, yeah. he must have thought the world was fucked. <laughs> Well, no, we've been through he two be world wars. now, see how he yeah, feels well, about yeah. things. Come back, Charlie. No, but like, he'd been through two world wars. Yeah. There was a lot going on. He he probably thought mm. everyone was fucked, you know, and it was mm. all down to just this greed. Because yeah. money was the running theme through this. Capitalism, commercialism, partly. I mean, I think that's a kind of, for an American, that would be a weird thing. But also it's kind of... um I think that's a weak argument. Mm. You know, people tend to just throw the phrase capitalism on everything. Mm. I don't think it's that. Oh, here we go. Well, no. <laughs> I just think it's a case of um, it's the easiest label. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think it would matter. Even in communist states, they get completely corrupted by money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and greed. Oh, okay, so money and greed is... You know, yeah, technically yeah, yeah. every ism is perfect in its perfect sense. Mm. But greed fucks up all of them. Mm. You know, there's no such thing as 
any of these perfect isms. You can't have a perfect communist state because one person has to rule it and therefore, you know, you get a council of people ruling. They'll get Mm. greedy. Mm. You have a capitalist state. Each company wants to be better than each other rather than just supplying what people need Mm. and allowing that to be their goal yeah we just just let's just all you know just take a little bit of what we fancy we don't need to overdo it no there's enough for everybody as long as you're not buying you know two great big crates of biscuits in Lidl and if you want a bit of slap and tickle in town at night make sure you take enough money for an ice cream (laughs) wow that's what I learned (laughs) that's what this film taught you there you go (laughs) we're never letting you choose a film again well (laughs) next time I'm just going to pop out for a 99 no you're not Yes. So, yeah. So, I mean, for me, I just thought that this film works on a hell of a lot of levels mm. for not only the filmmaker and the nerd in all of us, but also just from storytelling, from societal reflection, from basically, you know, all these different factors of religion and and greed and money and society and... I mean, my one of my favourite characters was the old... Well, two of my favourite characters was the old man and woman who ran the spoons. Yeah. Because of the fact that, you know, he was like, oh, well, I didn't really like the the, the, preacher. the preacher. And she's like, oh, shut up. And he's like, oh, okay. Mm. You know, men are as bad as women, mm. women in that respect. Like, if why didn't you have your say? Why mm. don't you just have your opinion? Mm. Because you can't be bothered. You're prepared to let someone... Perish. Yeah, basically, ultimately. people were lazy. And mm. because they didn't want to get involved, they would... To a point where mm. it's fun, but then whatever. Like the one postcard saying, me and the kids are visiting the sister. Okay, well, we all feel better now. Yeah. Five minutes later, lynch the fucker. Yeah. Bit scary. Bit yeah. modern as well. well. 50s are very similar to modern day. I think I that's think. it, isn't it? And I think, yeah, there there is a lot of stuff now that yeah. I think feels Anything we're similar. watching from the 50s really reflects on modern yeah. society. Bit weird. It's the circle. Okay, definitely, definitely he is overtaking the situation. I um, do want to go, Imanyama, Imanyama, No? Well, you don't want to, you just did it. So oh. so that's, yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're not holding back. Maybe maybe we should wrap up because I am very, very warm. Have you got any facts that I got, before we do our... Well, i got one last fact for okay, you, but it feels cool. like quite a depressing fact to finish on. Oh, no, come on. Less, the people are depressed enough anyway. They've been listening to me rant about how despondent everybody is with the planet. So yeah, let's just... We're all doomed. Yeah, let's just top it off. Um, so the screenwriter who adapted uh, the story for the screenplay... James Aggie. Um, he died at the age of 45 of a heart attack. Okay, I didn't expect you to be that bleak. And but... um, four months before the film opened. I told you it was a bleak note to finish on. Wow. But that's a little that's a little bit me, isn't it? It's a little bit me. It's a little bit me, that. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I keep thinking of tunes in my head that I really can't afford the royalties on, so I'm going to stop. <laughs> that was a monkey's track I was just thinking of then. I'm well aware, Brian. Yeah. Oh, I know you are. You're a super fan. <laughs> exactly. Um, if you're listening, Mr. Dolenz, please feel free <laughs> to post a, a pair you... of wife <laughs> to Sinead. Please keep your underwear to yourself. <laughs> um, but feel free to get in contact. Um, okay, uh, a slightly less depressing fact. Uh, it was a 36-day shoot and the studio tried to convince them to shoot in colour. Nice. But they held out because they felt nice. it wasn't going to work in colour, which nice. I agree with. Cool. I mean, yeah, totally. It wouldn't have done. It'd be like if Psycho was in colour. Wouldn't have worked. Exactly. Right. So let's get on with it. Good, let's move on. 
I'm melting. I know. Let's move on to... VHS scores? Yes, that'll do it. I'm going to cut straight to the chase here. No messing around. Four VHS cassettes. Bloody hell. Bish, bash, bosh. Very Kerry Godleyman. Like Exactly. She is my uh, muse. I know. I am also giving this film four. Yes! Because Never it, have we been so in sync. Not uh, in sync. No, no. In sync. I think this film should be put on the bloody national curriculum or something. I mean, I don't know if it's for kids, but I think it's <laughs> absolutely phenomenal. Um, I think it's a great piece of filmmaking. Everyone who was on it did a phenomenal job, and I totally understand why they put it in the, the American archives. Um, but it isn't a perfect film. And for me, the river scene... Mm. If it wasn't for that, and a little bit at the very end. By the way, we didn't mention Mrs. Cooper. I'm not getting into it now, but wow, what a woman. Yeah. Love her with her shotgun, rocking on the porch. Yeah. Smashed so, it. Yes, yeah. I know. We haven't got time to talk about all of it, Brian. We That's don't. the trouble. We don't. But um, the river scene and the bit where she shot him, and he did this strange cry, which was brilliant. But then he ran into the barn and just waited there till the police arrived in the morning and then ran out of the barn. Yeah, I'll be honest. So um, Mrs. Cooper protecting the children at the end shoots um, Harry. Yeah. Apparently she shoots him in the face. That was not clear. Oh, wow. That was not clear to me. His face looked perfectly fine to me. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, But I read that, I mean, maybe that was just something something that somebody has thought and and written on the internet and I've incorrectly kind of taken as fact. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it didn't work for me. Yeah. It's, it's sort of weird screaming, ah, and he ran off. Yeah. Yeah, that was a negativo for me, I'm afraid. Yeah. I'm sticking with four. Four VHS cassettes. I'm I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. And do you know what? Because of the heat, because of the record-breaking heat this week, and because of the fact that I've been distracted by now the current race between a second bead of sweat and the first one that are running down my back you are making yourself sound divine i sound a little bit like boss hog at the moment oh, <laughs> dabbing myself with um, my handkerchief and talking about how sweltering it is when we started this podcast it was 36 i guarantee when we finish this it's going to be like 38 or something. yeah but anyway um because of that i really don't have any reasons to dump you i i agree with what you've said about this film the only reason to dump you is that i've had to record this today in this heat and i really hold you responsible i've got a cornetto in the fridge i'll let you have you are free and clear my lady (laughs) that's it zero i have been bribed i have been bought it is a zero reasons to dump this lady she shall be sleeping in the house tonight the car will probably be cooler and she'll regret it but there you go proving that money and greed can work (laughs) exactly yeah we're all open to it in the end. There I am giving my rant about greed. Do you want to know cool now? Ice cream. I said buy an ice cream, didn't I? I know. I know right. how to get, get things moving here. Well, thank you, Brian. I really enjoyed that. It was, thank a, you, it was an excellent, excellent movie choice. Yeah. Um, thank you. I think so. Thank you for listening. If you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at reasons underscore pod. And failing that, feel free to walk outside and tell all your friends. But make sure you slip, slop, slap because it is warm out there. See you next time. Bye. Bye.